Hey, hey guys, how we doing? It's Stephen here, thanks for tuning in. I'm in the car, so uh, hopefully there won't be too much road noise. Um, I'm in traffic at the moment, so it should be fairly quiet, but when I get moving, well, listen, we'll get, we'll get past it. Uh, but yeah, I just want to talk to you actually about the way I said hello there. I, I said thanks for tuning in, and that was deliberate. That's the subject of the podcast. Now, what does that mean, tuning in? I mean, you didn't tune in, did you? Not really, not in the true sense of the phrase. You clicked in, perhaps, logged in even, but not tune in, because tune in comes from uh, radio. That's a that's a radio expression, isn't it? The old wireless radios, the early days of radios where you had actual physical analogue knobs that you had to actually turn, and you had a little dial on a screen backlit if you were fancy a little backlit sort of window not a screen a window with a needle in it that you would tune and uh, you know you would try and tune in into the frequencies you were literally turning these knobs to, to tune into the, the radio stations in fact in the early days of radio you wouldn't have had preset stations or anything you know so literally if you wanted to change channel you had to tune in and I can actually remember TVs like that <laughs> not quite tuning in but you had to turn a dial to get to the next oh it was crazy um, and, and you had to actually when you when you got a new television when I was young back in the day uh, you had to tune it in and nowadays you don't really have to you kind of switch it on and it goes yeah I suppose you have to sort of go through a certain setup process but but really uh, you know I, I remember we used to actually have to manually tune in channels and everything it was bizarre but anyway tuning tuning in but we still use it you know and and there's lots of phrases like that that we still use even though they're not really applicable and sometimes they're not even true uh, I'm gonna give you an example I'm gonna give you a few examples probably uh, but here's the first one that comes to mind um, what's that thing on um, on the male anatomy and, and I'm not going to go uh, x-rated so don't worry but on the male anatomy on the throat there's a thing there there's like a lump in the throat of of the male of the species which is called an Adam's apple that's right an Adam's apple so uh, where does that come from the, the the word why is it called an Adam's apple well perhaps it's because it's got some sort of reference to Adam and Eve where Adam bit into the apple the forbidden fruit and uh, and it got stuck in his throat or something like that yeah but actually that notion of eating an apple where does that come from the bible i hear you say <laughs> but actually there's no mention of an apple in the bible certainly not in genesis uh where you'll find the story of adam and eve the first book because What's said in there is something to the effect of, you know, thou shalt not eat from the, the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. I think that's the, the you know, you, you know, but it says the fruit of knowledge, the, the, sorry, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, something like that. But there's no mention of an apple. Isn't that strange? But we obviously think that. Why do we think that? Well, who knows? It's probably because there's been a depiction of that somewhere or in several places maybe a painting of Adam and Eve and uh, in the Garden of Eden holding an apple you know with a serpent in the background somewhere and 
it's probably through things like that that we've, you know, it just it becomes part of the language. And okay, that's pretty harmless. But what about other things uh, like, let's say I had to to say to you, right, get a pencil and jab it into the palm. Now, don't do this, of course, right? Don't you don't want anyone harming themselves? But completely hypothetical here, and to make a point. if, if you take a pencil and jab it into your hand, right, and you get the lead right in there, what what could potentially happen there? Is that dangerous? And if so, why? Okay, beyond just puncturing your hand with the pencil, perhaps you could get lead poisoning? Because you're jabbing that pencil lead in? Well, that would be impossible because there's no lead in a pencil. Did you know that? That grey stuff that makes the mark, you know, that's encased in wood. It's actually graphite. Always has been, by the way. It's not as though it used to be lead back in the day. It was always graphite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Why do we call it a pencil lead? In fact, I think the only people who used lead, lead um, to scribe you know, as a, as a writing or a scribing implement, I think was the Babylonians or something like that, you know, but I don't even know if that's for sure, but the point is, there's never been lead in pencils, ever. So why do they call it a pencil lead? I don't know. But we assume that it is lead, and we assume that if you, you know, if it gets into your bloodstream, that grey stuff, it would cause lead poisoning, but that's impossible, because it's graphite. So, isn't it strange that we have these little things going on in, in the language. Now, these are just little things, little peccadillos, but it can get quite serious. And this is where I want to perhaps introduce the concept. You may not have heard of this, or you may have heard of it, uh, but it's it's the, the content, uh, concept of transaction, transactional analysis. Now, I can't remember the name of the... You know what I'm like. I'm not great with my references because I just... I don't tend to prepare too much for these podcasts. I just um, get my thoughts out. So, it's not really important, but there was a man, a scientist, who developed it sometime in the 50s, this transactional analysis, and he had a way of doing that. He went through, went through all sorts of scientific uh, tests and things. But there was a, a guy... A, you may have read the book Silence of the Lambs or seen the movie, uh, and the author of that book... Um, Thomas Harris uh, sorry I'm having a wee bit of traffic issue here Uh, Thomas Harris uh, wrote a book called I'm Okay, You're Okay and it was based on transactional analysis and uh, so basically um, we've got three main personality types Okay, and it does relate to what I was saying about you know expressions that we pick up in our language um, but there's, there's three um, main personality types, um, and as they're referred to in the book, they're called the parent, adult, and child. Now, you have to read the book to understand what the author means by parent, adult, and child. It's not really in the traditional sense, as it were. He refers to them in a very specific way. So, uh, just to give you a brief synopsis, the well not synopsis, but a, a brief overview of the concept itself, you've got these three personality types. The child is things that maybe you experienced 
perhaps before the age of two, you know, at that pre-lingual stage where things happen and you can't describe them because you don't have the language to do it. You know, you don't, you can't talk yet. Um, but certain things will stay with you. Like when you come into the world, you're very vulnerable. You know, you're um, you're naked and uh, you've got all these strange people passing you around and doing tests on you, making sure you're breathing okay. And it, you know, it's quite obviously quite traumatic. You've just come out of this warm place into this cold, bright, unfamiliar environment. So uh, you you don't feel very okay. But then when you're handed to your mum, uh, you know, she seems okay. She's nice and warm and she's maybe feeding you straight away and things like that. And she's looking after you. So she's making sure you're okay, but you don't feel okay. <laughs> and you feel like that quite a lot uh, for the first few years of your life that, you know, you're vulnerable, which you are, and everybody else isn't. And sometimes we can, we can get that wrong because you look at other kids and you think they're okay and I'm not okay. But obviously we're all just the same, you know, we're all not okay, we're all vulnerable when we're young. Um, and even adults, although they seem to know what they're doing, quite often they don't feel very secure within themselves. We don't know that as a kid, but we pick up these experiences and that forms the child part of our uh, personality. Now, you've got the parent. Now, the parent part of our personality is... is it's sort of uh, have you ever found yourself saying something and you sounded just like one of your parents you know perhaps you've got children and you pull your children aside and you tell them off in the exact same way that your parents told you off well that's the kind of parent side of your personality now the key thing is those two parts the parent and child are historic those are pre-programmed parts of your personality type um, but the adult is different. The adult can think in the here and now. It can question things. It doesn't, it's, it's that part of your personality that just doesn't blindly accept things like lead in a pencil or an Adam's apple. It looks behind, and I'm not saying you should overanalyze everything, especially not things like that, just to make a point, but perhaps things that your parents said now in the book um, I, think, I think I got this from the book itself that there's a, let's say you're in 1960s America the racially charged you know during the, the civil rights movement okay and let's say you live in a predominantly white populated area um, and someone comes around with a petition for you to sign to request that you sign a petition to allow uh, people of colour to live in those predominantly white areas because there were bands at that time, you know, there was black people were segregated uh, and it created urban ghettos and all this kind of thing. Um, so it was to allow black people to live wherever they wanted, basically. So you get this petition to sign and you think, you know, I've got nothing against uh, people of colour, but uh, my father and my grandfather probably would not approve of me signing this petition because those voices that still makes up part of your personality that's the parent side you know, these voices these opinions racist opinions in this case echo in your mind uh, and and have an influence on you even if the, the people who put those ideas there are dead and gone 
it still forms part of your personality. So you might decline, even though the adult side, you know, the, the part of your personality that can think in the here and now, um, can decide, no, I'm not going to take action on that because you feel, you'll feel right about it. Because your parent is telling, you know, your parent personality is telling you, no, that's not right. Anyway, so that's an example. Um, so my message to you is, Pay attention to, to how and why you make decisions. You know, it's like religion as well. If you're religious, and I've got nothing against religion per se, but if you are a religious person um, and you follow a certain faith, why do you follow that faith? It's probably not through choice. You, didn't, you probably didn't go and interview uh, several different uh, faiths and look into different faiths and decide maybe you did but that's unusual in the vast majority of cases you inherit a religion you follow the religion that your parents followed and their parents followed and so on so that's a perfect example of a school of thinking and again I'm not throwing stones at religion here or the way that people uh choose a religion, I'm not saying anything about it, I'm just saying that that part, it's the parent part of your personality, more often than not, that causes you to choose that religion. So, anyway, that's it, I'm now getting a beep, that's my little dog sitting on the passenger seat, that's never happened, anyway, it's probably going to get quite frantic, so I'm going to put up with it, but we're getting to the end of this anyway, so the point is, you know, just think about how you make decisions and why and maybe try and try and use that adult part of your personality I mean there's so many examples I could give you like football fans if you follow a certain sports team and you've got your arch rivals you know you always think they're wrong no matter what but that's impossible they can't always be wrong so it's about being open-minded really that's what it's about it's about if you if you can use that adult and sometimes it's difficult because some people have got a really strong parent and child, which is that historical part of your personality, the preset. And it kind of, the word that's used in the book actually is contamination. So those can contaminate your adult. The adult is capable of taking a situation for what it is in the moment and being empathic and open and looking at the different angles and perhaps overturning previously held beliefs. And, and I think that's a really healthy thing to do. I think it's also very important that you have your principles and you have your values. And quite often those things are held in the, for example, the parent um, and, and the parent uh, personality. Uh, that, that was my foot, by the way, in case you heard a strange noise. <laughs> it's just my foot moving on the floor. <coughs> but anyway. So that could be the, the, the parent, and that's a very healthy thing to have values, to have, you know, to have certain models that you live by, certain values, principles, and that would be a historic thing, um, an historic thing. So yeah, but just food for thought. Um, I like to think of myself as someone who has strong values, but I like to keep an open, open mind. I'm not afraid to challenge even my own values at times. If I hear something quite interesting that makes me think, you know, I could be wrong. 
then I am all ears. Quite often, people can be very closed when when they think they might be wrong and, and their beliefs and values are being challenged. They tend to run in the opposite direction. But you know, I think you should stop and listen. At least give it a bit of consideration. And that's the adult that does that. So I would recommend the book, I'm Okay, You're Okay, by Thomas Harris. And I do think there's other publications attached to it, you know, subsequent publications. Not read it, that's the only one I've read, but it's a great concept and uh, yeah, well, well worth a read. So hopefully that was useful. As usual, guys, uh, I'll speak to you again soon. And until then, take it easy.